this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're going to be looking at seven steps that will position you for financial fruitfulness. I'll tell you what, I've been thinking about these steps, I've been practicing these steps, I've been contemplating these steps, and I will tell you, the, this process is nothing short of life-changing. I can't wait for you to listen in and begin to enjoy the benefits of financial fruitfulness in your life. Why do we need, we as Christians in church, need to talk about money? Why do we need to? Well, it's for you. We need to talk about how to handle your finances in a godly manner, in a biblical manner, for you. It's, I want you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. Do you want you to be blessed? I hope so. I hope you would like a blessing from the Lord. How you handle your money will be a blessing to you. I'm not, I'm not telling you these things for me. I don't draw a salary from this church, at least to date I never have. I'm a volunteer pastor. Do you get it? I'm a volunteer pastor. I'm not trying to get your money because I'm not going to take your money. The, the money that you would give to this church is for this church. It's for this church. Now, that, that might change someday, but at this point... I'm not trying to get your money. I want you to be blessed. And if you handle your money properly in accordance with the word of God, you are going to be blessed financially. You're going to be blessed financially. God wants to bless you financially. The other thing that I would tell you is if we learn these principles now, when we have a society that's fairly stable, and that's questionable, (laughs) A society that's fairly stable. Uh, Inflation hasn't quite gone into hyperinflation. We're not seeing unemployment, hopefully yet, hopefully never. But in the coming days, we're going to need to know this information. In the coming days, we're going to need to know this information. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to worry you. But let's find these principles out now while things are fairly stable So that when things might be unstable in the future, we know how God operates. And we know how to handle our money in a godly manner that keeps us blessed. Look at this. These financial principles, I'm going to remind you this from last week. Therefore, the middle schooler who gets $10 a month in their allowance. All right? This is for you. All right? This is for the retiree that might get six, eight. $100 $100 a month in fixed income, you're just barely scraping. This is for you. This is for the college student. This is for the person who's in the middle of their career earning a good income. This is for everybody. In fact, everybody say, this is for me. All right? So everything that we're going to be talking about is for you. So listen carefully and receive because I guarantee you some of the things that we'll say today and next Sunday I can almost guarantee some of it you'll never heard of before. So you may as well listen in and see if you learned something. Look at this. We're talking about financial fruitfulness. Seven steps to position you for financial fruitfulness. And you might say, well, what on earth is financial fruitfulness? Well, the best definition of it is found when Abraham was called by God to leave his home and to go into a new land. And God told him this in Genesis 12, verse 2. He, God said to this, and he's telling you, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. 
to others. I'm going to bless you. God's telling you, I'm going to bless you, and you are going to be a blessing to others. God doesn't give, give, give so that you can hoard, hoard, hoard. God gives, gives, gives so that you can overflow, overflow, and overflow to others. That's how God wants you to be. And so financial fruitfulness is you being, a, is, is you being blessed first and then being a blessing to other people. All right? So look at this. To be financially fruitful, we need a change in our mentality, a change in the way that we think. And God has taken me personally through a lot of these changes. I'm in the midst of them right now. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there, and I hope you are as well. Look at this. Look at these, these, these uh, comparisons and, con- and contrasts here. A financially fruitful mentality is going to be focused on God and establishing the kingdom of heaven. You want to be financially fruitful? You're not going to be so worried about your checkbook. You're going to be worried about God's checkbook. You're not going to be so worried about your purpose. You're going to be worried about God's purpose. You're not going to be thinking about yourself so much. You're going to be thinking about the body of believers and what the collective needs are of all of us. Somebody who has just a wealth mentality, they're just going to be trying to grow their own checkbook, their own finances, and gaining that security. Guess what? There's no security in this world. Believe me, there is no security in this world. Your security is with God. He makes your life secure. Let's look at another uh, another difference here between a financially fruitful mentality and a wealth mentality. Money to the financially fruitful person, money is 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 more than just a physical provision. It has spiritual implications and you see every dollar as a seed, a spiritual seed that can do damage to the kingdom of darkness in this world. Every dollar has a spiritual implication to it. And you see that that financial seed can multiply. I didn't just say grow. That financial seed can multiply. You give five pennies to God, God can take those five pennies and make them $500. He can multiply what you give. He can multiply what you use and, and, and glorify his name as a result. Money uh, generation, in other words, making money, is about fruit bearing for God. As you make money, you're bearing fruit for God. Whereas the, with the wealth mentality, is money is strictly material and it brings deep satisfaction to the human needs. And we all know that that's not true. The least happy people in the world are the extremely wealthy because they've realized those dollars didn't bring them any satisfaction whatsoever. Look at the next one. God is exclusively, here's a financially fruitful person. God is exclusively my provider, and he's the source of all my financial fruitfulness. Whereas the person who's focused on wealth thinks that they are their own source, or their employer is the source, or worse still, the government's the source, and they don't realize God is the source of every buck that comes your way. God is your source. Look at this next one. God's power. This is focus on this carefully. God's power and my faith are the necessary elements for financial fruitfulness. God's power and my faith in God, they come together and they produce money. They produce resources for you 
in your life. It's not you by yourself, and it's not God by himself. It's you together that you see resources provided for you, whereas on the flip side, the wealth mentality, human talent and ability produces wealth. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. The last one that we'll look at here is that hard work honors God and is worship to God. I'll be typing on my computer and saying, Lord, I'm just worshiping you now. As I'm doing this work, I'm doing it as unto you, and I'm worshiping you through my work. Whereas the wealth mentality is that hard work entitles you to compensation, and that is simply not the case. We work for God, and he blesses us as a result. So let's look at seven steps that will position you for financial fruitfulness. In other words, money flowing through you faster and faster and more and more as you give and give and give to the work of the Lord God's going to start blessing you more and more. So seven steps that position you for financial fruitfulness. The first one is this. Listen carefully. It's just receive from the Lord and be grateful when you receive. Just receive. Get into an open heart position where you're just receiving from God over and over. You get your paycheck and you say, God, I know my employer gave this money to me, but I know ultimately it was you that gave me this money, and I'm just receiving it, Lord. Thank you, God, for giving me the money to pay the rent or the mortgage or to make my car payment or to buy food, buy clothes. I just receive, and I am thankful, Lord, that you gave me this money. This was such an eye-opening scripture to me in James 1, verses 5 through 7. You see, God is always giving you stuff. Spiritual stuff and physical things. He's always giving. The problem is you and I, we don't receive it. It comes and clanks and, and bounces right off of our heads, bounces right off of us. He gives, but we don't receive. And I found this in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom. So in this case, we're talking about wisdom, not money, just wisdom. But listen to this. If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask of God who who gives generously to all without finding fault. That's the Christian and non-Christian alike. Man or woman, child or elderly, in prison or free, you can ask of God and he will give to you and he won't find fault with you. Anybody can ask. And it'll be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Do you see these two actions? One, God gives, but you're so shut up that you won't receive. Pride can keep you from receiving. Doubt says it keeps you from receiving. God gives, Are you receiving, though? Open up your heart and say, God, if you give it, I'm going to receive it. He is constantly, constantly. The problem, as we learned last, last week, is not God's supply. It's our capacity to receive from the Lord. God gives his spirit without limit. He gives us good things without limit. Can we receive all of them, though? We have a tiny little cup like that beggar had there with uh, Peter and, and, and John. 
And he was wanting it to fit in his cup, and he had to get rid of his cup so that he could be healed by the power of God. Get rid of your limitations so that you can receive everything that God has given you. You say, no, Steve, God's not giving me anything. Yes, he has. He's given you. You just haven't been appreciative of it. You haven't been thankful for it. And as a result, you're not receiving as much as you could receive from the Lord. Matthew 7, verse 8, it says, For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door is open. Have you asked God lately? Or have you given up on asking God? The Bible tells us that you have not because you ask not. So let's get in the habit this week of asking God, God, would you give me this? God, would you bless me with that? God, would you take care of this problem over here? And then start receiving God's phenomenal supply in your life. Now listen to this. You can't be a blessing until you yourself have received a blessing. So start seeking God's blessing. You know, Jacob was wrestling with that angel, and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You need to take hold of the Lord and say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Because once you receive a blessing, you can finally start being a blessing to those around you. An empty person can't bless anybody. If you have $10 in your checking account... And someone comes up asking you at your window for a hamburger or for some money. Are you going to give them anything? No, because you don't have much money yourself. God wants to bless you abundantly so that you can be a generous blessing to those around you. So start receiving from the Lord. Start asking of God. Receive, 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 and then be thankful. (laughs) And then be thankful. If we don't do this, we are not going to be financially fruitful ever. Because we think we've gotten it ourselves when in reality it came from God. Here's the second thing. The second step to positioning ourselves for financial fruitfulness is to be humbled and therefore be highly favored. Be humbled. Now notice, I didn't say be humble. Because, you know, people that say, oh, I'm a humble person, well, they're already prideful (laughs) because they're talking about their humility. So that's why I tell you right now, listen carefully, don't be distracted. Look at me. They're okay. All right? Listen to this. You want to be humbled, not be humble. You want to be humbled. What does that mean? That means let life's circumstances humble you. Let life's circumstances humble you. Now, I don't want you to be humiliated, but be humble. Whenever you have a son or daughter that's not serving the Lord and that's stressing you out, let that humble you so that you come to the Lord and say, God, I can't control this situation. It's humbling to me that I can't take care of this situation. And you humbled, you're humbled by your situation, or if you're sick in the hospital and you're laying there and the doctors aren't giving you a straight answer and you can't figure out what to do, you humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, I can't do this, but you can. Let life's circumstances humble you. 
if you're grieving or you're mourning and you can't get past that, that place where you used to be joyful and you're not there anymore, be humbled before the Lord. Why do we want to be humbled? Well, in James 4, verse 6, it says that God gives us more grace and it says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. It's good to be humbled. It's good in a, in a work situation. Maybe you have a, 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 a situation with your, with your boss where you're not getting along. Let the situation humble you because it says here that God is going to start showing you favor when you're humbled. Allow yourself to be humbled by life situations. Think right now, just really quick, what do you wish in your life would just go away? It's bothering you. You can't control it. It's there night and day confronting you. It stresses you out at night. It wakes you up in the morning. What do you wish would go away? That's the very situation that God wants to use to humble you so that you can begin to be favored by God. One touch of God's favor will elevate you. God comes and taps you on the shoulder. His favor is going to elevate you above anything that you could have ever dreamed or wanted. One touch of God's favor will give you supernatural provision that you could have only dreamed of. How do you get that favor? Be humbled by life's situations and circumstances. Now look at Daniel, Daniel of the Bible. The angel told him, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Or in other words, you're highly favored. Let me ask you right now, do you think you're highly favored of God? I hope everybody would acknowledge I am highly favored of God. You know what the difference with Daniel was? He acknowledged. He, he didn't go to the angel and say, no, I'm not highly favored of God. No, the angel just said, you're highly favored. The angel told Mary, you're highly favored. And what did Mary say? I'm the servant of the Lord. She didn't say, no, I don't deserve it. I don't, I don't believe it. No, if God tells you you are highly favored, you are highly favored. Accept that and continue the humbling experience that life brings us, the humbling experiences God brings us. Let me ask you something. Let me, let me beg of you. Stop telling yourself, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. This is, this is too good. I don't deserve you, God, doing any good things for me. Stop doing that. The Bible tells us that God has qualified us. Sister Shelley and I were talking about because we both have the tendency to do that. I don't deserve you, God. I don't deserve anything good. Stop saying that through Jesus, you do deserve it. Believe it or not, through Jesus, you do deserve good things in your life. Was Jesus' death not good enough for you? So when you start saying, I don't deserve it, are you saying that Jesus' Jesus's death wasn't good enough? Of course it was good enough. He qualified you. You are highly favored. You are highly esteemed. Only stay humbled before the Lord. Amen. The only time when you'll get knocked off your, your block is when you start being prideful. He says he's going he's gonna to knock you down a notch or two if you do that. All right, number three, seven steps 
to position yourself for finance or for financial fruitfulness. Here's the third one. Listen to this. To be generous, you first have to be compassionate. My family and I have stumbled across uh Live PD, live police situations where they're chasing down criminals or they're you know, getting crooks or they're arresting people who are on drugs. And as we're watching some of these scenarios play out and you see a guy that's so addicted and so high that he can't even talk to the policeman, you know, some of us might say, well, that guy should be thrown in prison. But you know what? As we were watching some of these scenes, my heart just goes out and my family's heart just goes out to this poor addict that can't control himself, can't control herself, is so wasted they're laying on the ground. They can't help themselves. We need to be compassionate. We need to be less harsh. We need to be more kind, more gentle. You know why? As you're compassionate, then you can be generous. If you drive up to a light and there's a bum, a panhandler asking for money, and you say, that guy should just go get a job, and you have no compassion, something is wrong in our hearts. Something is wrong in our hearts. God wants us to be compassionate. And here's what we learned last week. The only way for God to give to you is for you to start giving. (laughs) Give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together. It'll be poured out into your lap is what the Bible says. We've got to be generous if we want God to start being generous with us. That's why it's important to be compassionate, to have a heart for people, to be empathetic, to be sympathetic towards people's needs, towards their tough situations. Be generous, but only because you're compassionate. Look at this. In 1 Peter 3.8, it says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and be humble. Did you get that? This is how you're going to be financially fruitful is when you get a heart for people. When you get a heart for the kingdom of heaven, you say, the kingdom of heaven is out there to save people and I want to be a part of the solution. Get a compassion for people and you'll be generous with them. Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, a, 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 a verse that, that my daughter Sarah has mentioned several times. A generous person will prosper. That means a compassionate person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed themselves. If you will start looking for people to refresh, God is going to start refreshing your life as well. If you feel dry inside, you feel dead inside start refreshing people and God will start refreshing you inside he will restore your soul and there's that cycle of generosity and prosperity generosity and prosperity even the unsaved have figured this out somebody like Bill Gates who has billions of dollars tons of money that he gives out What does the guy experience? Prosperity, all right? Is he giving his money to the right places? I don't think so, but it doesn't matter. He's generous. And let me tell you what, if you and I would start being generous with our money, 
God would start prospering us so we could continue to be even more generous. And that's what financial fruitfulness is all about, is this cycle of generous, prosperous, more generous, more prosperous, more generous, more prosperous. Stop being so tight-fisted and give your money to somebody who has a need. Start sowing into the kingdom of heaven and your savings are going to grow. Do you get what I'm saying? Give, and it'll be given to you. But if you hold on to what you have, you're not going to be financially fruitful. It's, gonna, it's just going to rot there. Inflation's going to eat it away. Somebody might come steal it. Give, and it'll be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and poured out in your lap. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> look for, let me tell you what, look for opportunities this week to give a buck or two to someone. To give, if you can do more, do it even more. Go find an opportunity where somebody has a need and give them something and see if the spirit of generosity and compassion doesn't just take you over and you begin to see the blessings of God flowing in your life. Number four, let God influence you in order for you to be blessed. Let God start influencing you. What do we call that? Well, in church, church circles, we call that obedience. If God tells you to do something, go do it. Let him influence you to do what you need to do and influence you to stop doing what you need to stop doing. In Luke eleven twenty eight, Jesus replied, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Obey it. Well, we sang a song today, the third song that Sarah sang, and some of those words came from Deuteronomy 28. And it's, it's God associates obedience with blessing. Let me tell you something. God loves the whole world. He loves everybody. He loves murderers. He loves law-abiding citizens. He loves adulterers, and he loves those who are faithful to their spouse. He loves everybody, but he only blesses people who are obedient to him. He loves everybody, but he's going to bless only those who are influenced by him. What has God influenced you this week to do or not to do? Have you been listening to God's voice and receiving that heavenly influence where you say, you know what? I hear you, God. I'm going to go do what you're telling me to do. Be influenced by God. You know, a lot of folks are influenced by influencers in social media. They're influenced by them, and they dress a certain way, and they act a certain way, and they, they do a certain thing because they're influenced by heavy influencers. There's no greater influence in this universe than God Almighty. Amen. He wants to influence the way you think the way you act, the way you talk, the way you are, the way you parent. He wants to influence everything. But look at this. He's going to bless you if you start being influenced by him. Deuteronomy 28, a sampling of some of these verses. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. You say, why am I always so low? Why am I always so depressed and down? You're not obeying God. <laughs> because when you start obeying God, you're going to be lifted up high above 
all these thoughts and depressions and anxieties and stuff that goes on. God wants to lift you up if you're obedient, if you're influenced by him. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, mothers. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, uh, workers, men and women who have a job, you're going to be blessed in what you do. The calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. You're not going to dread leaving the house anymore. You're not going to dread going to work anymore because you're blessed. You're not going to dread you're not going to dread waking up in the morning because you're blessed. You're not going to dread going to sleep at night cuz you're blessed. When you come in, when you go out, but only if you're obedient. Only if you're influenced by God will these things happen for you. God will grant that your enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you in one direction and flee from you in seven directions. Why? Because you're obedient and you're influenced by God Almighty. You're listening to his voice and you're obeying what he tells you to do. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns. He'll send a blessing on your checking account. In everything that you put your hand to, the Lord God will bless you in the land he has given you. And all the people of earth will see you and they will call you by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. It goes on and on and on. The blessings of God if you obey him. Are you obeying God? He's going to open up the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land. You will borrow from nobody and you will lend to other people. You'll be the top and never the bottom. What do you, what do you need God to influence in your life? <laughs> a lot. I need a lot of influence from God in my life. I need him to influence my decisions. I need him to influence my trust in him. I need him to influence me with all my issues. I have a lot of issues. Do you? Do you have a lot of issues? I do. I need him to influence my issues. Your appetites, your plans, your thoughts. You need God to influence everything in your life, even your eating habits, your exercise routines. You need God's influence in every aspect of your life. And if you let him, you will be blessed beyond your wildest imaginations. And therefore, you will be financially fruitful. God will start blessing you financially, and you will be a blessing financially, and the cycle will get stronger and faster. Number five, work hard for God. Work hard for God. Seven, seven things, seven steps to get to the place where you're financially fruitful. Nobody is going to be financially fruitful if they don't work hard for God. Nobody. All right. In this day and age, blows my mind, our societal, cultural thing is entitlement. You know what? Everybody deserves a cell phone in the United States, even if they don't pay for it. That's not true. Nobody deserves a cell phone in the United States. Everything costs money. You have to work for stuff to get stuff. <laughs> All right? Everybody deserves health care in the United States. No, they don't. It's not true. Healthcare costs. We gotta work. We gotta roll up our sleeves. Start working. 
All right? This entitlement mentality is killing our nation. It's killing our nation. And so we need to work hard for God. I look at Larry, I mean, late 80s. The guy is a hard worker. He's my hero, the way you work. All right? I, don't ever, I never intend to retire. Now, maybe health will tell me different. But I want to work until my dying day, and I hope you do too. Everybody. All right? Work, but don't just work. Work for God. Work hard for God. All right? 1 Corinthians 15.10. Look at these, the progression of these scriptures. They get rougher and rougher, more harsh, more harsh, and more confrontational more confrontational, but first, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, the Apostle Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace to me was not without effect. All right, the grace of God, the favor of God. Remember, one touch of God's favor propels you into places you've never been before. The favor of God, but it's not without effect. Man, if God touches you, you better get your como se llama into gear and go get stuff done. Work hard. No, I work harder than all of them, Paul says. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. You get God's favor churning in your soul, and your mind, in your life, you're going to work harder than anybody else. Because you're working for God. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I can't tell you the number of times when I've worked late at night and I think to myself, my boss has no idea I'm here. He has no, or he or she, because I have really, really good female bosses, really good male bosses. They don't know I'm here. I'm working my head off. They're never going to know. All they know is I'm going to turn in a good product. And you know what I tell myself? I don't care they don't know. Jesus knows. I'm working for him. I'm putting, I'm putting in the hours for him. So we work with all of our hearts for the Lord. And here's the last one. This is brutal, all right? Listen to this scripture. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 10, it says, this is the Apostle Paul. This was his, this is how he dealt with his team, all right? He had a team of people that went and planted churches. And he said this, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who's unwilling to work shall not eat. <laughs> All right, man, you talk about hardcore, go get him type of person. The Apostle Paul said, you work, you eat. You don't work, you got to figure it out on your own. All right? God wants his people to be hard workers. I can't tell you the number of times and I've been in the secular workplace and the Christians were the weakest workers that I worked with. And the non-Christians were the hardest workers. Let's not be that kind of people. Let's be the hardest workers, the best ones, the ones that push forward and make the biggest difference. Number six, by the way, you can't be financially fruitful unless you work hard for God. You can't be financially, it's not going to happen. All right? Number six, praise God and enjoy him. You can't be financially fruitful unless you praise God and enjoy him. This scripture hit me right between the eyeballs here. Psalms 67, verses 5 through 7, it says, May the people praise you, God. May all the people 
praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. What is this telling us? That as we praise God and we learn to enjoy God, he brings a harvest to us. He blesses us. So I'm, man, I woke up this morning. I was like, God, I just praise you, Lord. I worship you. You are awesome, God. And I wasn't just saying it with the words. I felt it. I was like, I praise you, Jesus. And I was standing over here as we were singing some of these songs. I was just, God, I praise you. I enjoy you, God. I love you, Lord Jesus. You're awesome, God. I, you're amazing. You blow me away, God. See, that's praise. And as you praise God, God starts blessing you. And you start having a harvest that you didn't have before in your life, both spiritual and physical. But I love this in Psalms 37, verse 4. I'm going to read it out of a different translation so that it kind of strikes us a little bit differently. But it says, seek your happiness in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Many of us know this scripture to say, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But seek your happiness in God. That's praising God. It's, I'm going to seek, I'm going to be happy in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to rejoice in God. And as you do that, oh, I tell you what, you're going to be blessed. But here's the last one. Number seven, crave the divine instead of the material. Crave the divine instead of the material. And this is the one that's been hitting me the hardest lately and where God is working in my life the most right now of these seven things. Crave the divine instead of the the, the material. Look at this. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Remember we talked about baptism. You come out of the water. You've been raised with Christ. Uh. Set your hearts on things above. Crave the divine. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly, material, physical, temporary stuff. All right? I've got three kids. Three of them are going to college. One, I'm sure, will go to college. And I, to me, it's whether it's college or tech school or something. You know, kids need to have a means of, of working, right? All right? And so we want to get them educated. It's very important to me that my children get an education, right? But you know what? That's not the most important thing in the world. As a parent, I want them to. But at the end of the day, the divine is more important than a career. The divine is more important than success. Let's get things balanced out in our lives a little bit and not be so hyper-focused on what's temporary. All of these things are going to pass away. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So let me ask you, if I, if I offered you two things, I have a golden egg right here, big old whopping golden egg, and I say, do you want the golden egg? Or I have a goose over here, that produces golden eggs, which one would you choose? You'd choose the goose because you're going to get more golden eggs that way. Well, we're idiots, all right? We come over here in the world and we're grabbing for the egg and forgetting the divine that produces all the good things in our lives. We need to seek God, and I don't want to call him the golden goose because that would be irreverent, 
But you know what I mean? God is the source of all good things in our lives. Seek the divine, not the temporal, not, not the material things. What would you rather have, riches or the wisdom to get the riches? I want the wisdom. I want the wisdom. On Shark Tank, have you ever watched Shark Tank on TV? Some have, some haven't. It's my favorite show. I watch it all. I love watching it because I learn a lot from how these people make decisions. But Shark Tank, here's this panel, like four or five people, super wealthy, and somebody comes, stands in front of them and pitches an, an idea, a business idea that they have, and then these guys will invest in them possibly. So anyways, this very smart sales guy is standing there with his idea. He's already made a lot of money on his idea, and he's trying to get this investment, and all of these business guys decline him. They say, no, we're not going to do it. But they gave him some advice, and when he walks away from the camera, he's, he's talking about what he's learned. He says, I am so excited because they told me what I needed to do next. You see, the wisdom, he wanted the money, but instead he got wisdom. Wisdom is better than money. The divine is better than the material. Seek God instead of seeking money. <laughs> And God will take care of all your needs and make you financially fruitful. All right? This, this scripture, here, I'll read it again, uh, Colossians 3, 1. It says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. And I struggle with that, don't you? Because we're always thinking about our physical needs over our spiritual needs. But you know what I learned is, you know, why do you want money? <laughs> all right? It gives you a good feeling. Generally, it gives you a feeling of security. It gives you a feeling like empowerment. I can do what I need to do. All right? What if you got a feeling of security from heaven, though, and bypassed the money? You said, heaven makes me feel secure. I have empowerment from heaven. I have all I need from heaven. And it gives you those feelings that setting your heart on things above. Get your feelings from things above, not from earthly things. Does that make sense? Let me end with just a couple of scriptures. In, in Psalms 27, verse 4, it says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this do I seek. Just one thing, the divine, not the material. I, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all my days to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That's all I want. Seek the divine. Crave the divine more than the material or over the material. And then in 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, So we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary. It's not going to last. But what is unseen is eternal. Is eternal. These seven things tee us up for next Sunday. Next Sunday, you're going to be like salivating. <laughs> you're going to be looking and saying, does this really work? Does this really, really work? Is this really what the Bible says? I can do these four things. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about four things. 
Let me tell you, before you do those four things, you have to have these seven things in place. Otherwise, you're going to go haywire, and you're not going to be focused on God. God is the source. Get these seven steps to position yourself for financial fruitfulness down first. And next Sunday, when I give you these other four things, I think it's going to blow your mind. I really, really do. It's powerful, powerful stuff. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, this is... These teachings are, are, are for us, Lord. It's not, it's not to get the church in a financially strong position. Lord, it's for us to be blessed, Lord God, so that we can continue to be more of a blessing, Lord Jesus. God, I pray this week that each and every one of us would find someone in need and give them something that helps them a little bit. Lord, that we would test the, the concept of generosity and compassion this week, Lord. I pray this week that as each and every one of us works, that we would work hard and that we would do everything that we do t- for you. If we're washing the dishes, we're washing the dishes for you. If we're mopping, we're mopping for you. If we're on a phone call, a business phone call, we do it for you, Lord God. Whatever we do this week, Help us in the back of our minds to be saying, I'm doing this for you, God, and I'm giving it my whole heart, all my effort. Lord, I pray that this week, God, that we would start craving the divine, Lord, over the material and say, God, the material comes from the divine, so why should I be seeking the material if I'm not seeking the source of the material? Lord, you know that we have needs to buy clothes, to have a place to live, to have a a car, transportation, Lord. We have those needs, but your word says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you as well. Lord, help us to get out of the rat race and start wanting to be financially fruitful, Lord, to receive a blessing from God and then be a blessing to someone else so that we can make room for more blessing in our lives, give that blessing out, make more room and receive more blessing. Let that cycle continue faster and bigger and stronger, Lord Jesus, that we might be financially fruitful for you. God, if we have to, let us start with a dollar. Or let us start with $10. We don't have to do this on a big scale for us to begin to see the wonderful impacts and blessings that comes from giving. Lord, your word says give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Lord, it will be poured out into our laps. Lord, the secret here is a giving, generous heart that has compassion for everyone around us, Lord God. Help us to stop being self-centered, self-focused, selfish, Lord God, and help us to have our eyes opened up to all of those around us, the precious lives that are around us, Lord, those that you love, those that you care for, oh God. And I thank you, Lord, for it. In your name I pray, amen. Amen.